What's going on, everyone? It's a Pitch Count Podcast here with me, Pete. You can follow me at, at Pete B Baseball on Twitter. Normally, I am accompanied by Chris, hence the Pitch Count Podcast. Um, but I'm not with him today. Instead, I'm with two dear friends, one my brother, uh, both fantasy baseball experts, lots of years of fantasy baseball experience between the two of them, uh, John and Ian. What's going on, guys? What's up, Pete? How are you? Not much. Just happy to be here. Well, not much going on with me, uh, but <clears throat> eager to get into last night's games. Um, last night, the Yankees got swept uh, in a doubleheader against the Mets. Dominic Smith for the Mets went three for five with a home run, a double, two runs, and two RBI over the course of that doubleheader. Clint Frazier went two for five with a homer, a double, two runs, and three RBI in that series guys what are you taking or who are you taking the rest of the season frazier or smith ian let's go with you first smith being a rival met in your phillies division sure uh you know i'm never gonna be the guy that's gonna all and out root for a met even though i did draft michael conforto uh with one of my early picks this year but uh i you know i'm not sure if i if I would go with Smith, I think his numbers look great uh, this season. Um, uh, but the thing that I'm concerned about with Frazier, um, if I did decide to go with Dom, would be uh, potential playtime. You know, everybody's injured on the Yankees. They continue to be injured. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's it's a couple of weeks until we get um, Aaron Judge back, maybe more because he just strained his calf again. Uh, so if that secures enough playing time for Frazier, I mean, he's also red hot right now. I don't know whether the Yankees would think about shipping him somewhere. But uh, so to make a long story a little bit longer, I think I might go with Dom Smith because he's not going anywhere. He's got uh, the the spot on the roster locked up, and uh, and he's just as hot as Frazier. Fair point. Um, I I think personally, I would actually lean Frazier. Um, the reason being uh, is that I, I took a deep dive on their numbers, and uh, you know, playing time obviously a concern with Clint Frazier. You know, who knows if when Stanton is coming back, if Judge is going to come back. However, I, I was looking at Dom Smith, and he kind of profiles as specifically like a fastball hitter. Um, all of Smith's home runs are against uh, four-seam fastballs, except for one to Jeremy Springs, you know, Red Sox legend on 81-mile-per-hour slider, and another to uh, Spencer Howard on a changeup. Um, that factored in also Dom Smith is facing pretty like a, a more difficult pitching route than, uh, Frazier. Uh, if you're looking at like earn run at, or I didn't go based off earn run average average, but, uh, in terms of like hits per game versus, uh, specific, uh, pitching staffs, uh, you know, Dom Smith is going up against, uh, the, the Mets are going to face the Orioles, the Jays, the Rays, the Braves, the Nationals and the Phillies. That's not counting. I think there's like one makeup game against the Marlins mixed in there. Um, but that comes out to like an average of uh, average position, I should say of 18 uh, versus Clint Frazier is going up against the Marlins, the Jays, the Red Sox, the Orioles, Tampa, 
as well as the Mets. And uh, I think, which means, never mind, I, I mix up there. But it, point being is that Frazier has a little bit more of a, a little bit easier of a path. Plus, I think that the uh, launch angle of Clint Frazier right now, it's 8.1 degrees. I think that's going to definitely go up. And he, I think that coupled in with the fact that Frazier walks a little bit more um, just leads me to be a little bit more inclined to take Clint Frazier. That is, if he can figure out that launch angle so he's not driving the ball into the ground. Um, but I think with that confidence of him getting potentially more at-bats with all those injuries to the Yankees outfield and the higher walk rate and the potential of Dom Smith being an exclusive fastball kind of masher leads me to lean a little bit more towards Clint Frazier right now. But again, it's super close. Yeah, I, I'm not too worried about the launch angle on Frazier. He's he's hitting pretty much the same number of ground balls as he was last year, but his line drives are way up. It's just too small of a sample, I think, for me to commit. But I think I would also go Frazier. I think that they're, they're kind of similar players, right? They're not, at least this year. Frazier is normally very strikeout heavy, but he's really not in the early going. His walk rate looks pretty good compared to last year. You can kind of say the same thing for Dom Smith. And I originally shared Ian's concerns about playing time for Clint Frazier, but I just, I just don't trust the Yankees to stay healthy. And I also don't think the Yankees like Frazier very much, which would maybe make you be concerned about the play time. But I think he's playing so much right now because he's being showcased. I think there's no doubt with all the injuries they're facing, the pressure that there is to win in New York, even without fans. I mean, all the money they spent on Garrett Cole um, and, and trading for Giancarlo Stanton a few years ago. Like, there's a lot of pressure to win now. This is kind of their window. A lot of those guys are in their primes. Um, some of them they're going to have to pay pretty soon. So I think they're going to make a deal, long story short. And I think Clint Frazier is probably the number one piece that they would like to deal because yeah. they – are kind of set in the outfield for a while. Um, I don't want to say what a deal could look like because I do want to save that for our final segment, but we spent a lot of time on that. I think if you can get either Clint Frazier or Dom Smith, I think those are your best options for sure. Also going on last night, uh, Anthony Santander went 0 for 5 last night. He's 2 for his last 17 over his last four games with five strikeouts and only one walk. He hasn't had a multi-hit game since August 18th. John, what do you expect from Santander going forward? Um, I expect a lot from Santander going forward. Um, if you're looking at, a, you know, if you're looking specifically at the pitchers he's faced, <laughs> listen, these are the pitchers Santander has hit a home run off of that I think were kind of high profile. Um, two home runs off Nate Pearson, you know, rookie, take that for what you will. One home run off Steven Strasburg, one of them off Blake Snell, and two home runs off of Max Scherzer. Um, Santander has, you know, this past, this little rough patch that he's had to face, he's taken on Hyunjin Ryu. He's had uh, Trevor Richards, who's actually been on a little bit of a tear. Uh, I think he has like a 2.87 ERA over his last like four or five outings. Um, as well as uh, Tyler Glass now, who was just electric his last outing. Um, I think... I think that he is like all of his peripherals right now, like all of the, the stack, stack cast sliders are trending in the right direction. And I just, I, I think that I am 100% on board that this is just a rough patch for him and that he will come out of it a better hitter because he has faced better pitching. 
Ian, any thoughts on Santander? Well, I was just kind of looking at some of his his numbers and some of his metrics um, or some of his uh, advanced StatCast stuff. Um, so last year, uh, in roughly a little over 400 plate appearances, he made a total of 22 barrels. He has made 11 already this year. I think he's uh, probably just having, you know, like people may be figured out the whole uh, something in his swing because he was red hot for so long. I mean, nobody could figure out how to get this guy out. Um, so I think it's just a matter of uh, figuring out where he can sure up whatever hole the, the pitching staffs might have found in his swing because the numbers are there. He's he's, you know, he's hitting the ball real hard. His exit velocity is at 89. Um, he's hit a ball up to 113 miles per hour this year. Uh, he's, you know, he's swinging it great. And I think he's got to patch up that one or two holes they might've found and he'll be fine. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's only 25. Um, so I think going through these rough patches is kind of expected is he's not a strikeout victim at all. I mean, he, he strikes out 15% of the time this year. Um, that's going to make these slumps not last too long. Um, he's, way underperforming his expected batting average. He's hitting 268. His XBA is up at 294. So I, I agree. I like Santander, but a player I wanted to compare him to another guy who's actually having a resurgence. Um, Will Myers, who would you rather have rest of season? Will Myers or Anthony Santanderian? Oh man, that's, uh, it's again, it's sort of, I, I'm, I'm usually someone who leans towards uh, experience. The more at bats they've had, the longer they've been in the league, the more you can kind of glean a, a solid picture of what they're going to do. Um, so like my gut definitely tells me that I would lean towards Will Myers, given that choice myself. However, the exciting just future for Anthony Santander, like if you're in a keeper league or you're in something, I mean, if he keeps, you know, if he gets out of these struggles and finds a way to perform the way he has for the last couple of weeks for the rest of the season, I mean, I would have a hard time not keeping a guy like that. Um, so are you ever going to keep someone like Will Myers? No, uh, but he can definitely be a big boon to your team for the playoff push. Uh, so I think that long-term I would go Santander. Like, you know, if my team was hurting and I needed someone like with, with a lot of potential. Um, but if you are in a position where you just need just like a solid, I know someone who's going to perform, I think Will Myers is probably the person for you. John, you feel differently? Um, I, I actually would trend uh, more towards Santander. I think that the only reason for both, to be honest, I, I understand the Will Myers because, you know, Will, uh, let me just say this. I do give Will Myers a lot of props because he specifies that he only has one L in Will, uh, which, uh, you know, more power to him. But I will say that uh, – I will say that, you know, Will Myers has an exceedingly high strikeout rate. He has, like, throughout the majority of his career. And I think that Santander, like, with the strikeout rate being, what is it, like, 18 or 19% right now? Um, 15. 15. You know, I, I think they've had essentially, like, the same stats uh, throughout the season. With, like, I think Will Myers has, like, uh, uh Will Myers has like a or 20 less at bats or something like that um, over like the last like couple of days or something. But I think that Will Myers, somebody who strikes out at that clip and who kind of capitalizes off specific types of pitches, um, 
kind of leads to more streakiness. And that's why I just don't trust Will Myers on this. I think if I had Will Myers, I would absolutely sell high right now. Um, and I think, you know, Santander, I mean, he he's really doing it. And, and I think, like I said, I, he's done it against some of the best in the game. And I think that that alone proves that his pedigree could be a lot higher. And this is a young guy who might only improve upon the, what's going forward. But I understand Will Myers. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you both. I think I take Will Myers the rest of the way. I like Santander a lot. I just don't think – I think you guys are kind of expecting Will Myers to regress a little bit. And he could with the strikeout rate. But his strikeout rate's in line with his career numbers. Um, and he's actually underperforming a lot of his expected statistics. Um, he's just off to a great start. And I love that offense. So while obviously you know playing in, in Petco is a bummer, that Padres offense is ridiculous this year. They're hitting the ball harder than anybody else in baseball. Um, they're turning over the lineup a lot. I think Myers is getting a lot of chances with the DH now. Obviously, you know, he's not losing playtime to anybody. It's just his job. So I'm in on Will Myers the rest of the year. Something I noticed about Anthony Santander, um, I just tweeted it out actually right before we started recording. He's increased his launch angle by about 10 degrees, which is a radical shift. And it's still a very small sample size, but last year he had a launch angle of 15.3. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty high launch angle. If a team had a 15.3 average launch angle, like as a team this year, they'd rank fourth highest in baseball, but that's up to 24.4 this year. His ground ball rate has gone down from 41.3 to 26.4 and his line drive rate has gone up from 22.8 to 37.7. So he's, really putting a hurting on the ball, even though he's not hitting it. His hard hit percentage, I should say, is up. His exit velocity isn't too different from last year. But the angle is different. He's getting more balls in the air. I think it's going to be good for him, especially in Camden. Um, so let's kind of try to get through a couple of these pretty quick. Um, I'll go to Ian for this one. Mark Melanson took the loss last night to the Phillies. Your Phillies, Ian. He's carrying yeah. a 1.31 whip which is kind of ugly, uh, and he's given up at least one run in three of his last four appearances. Will Smith has been dominant in his last two appearances. Are we going to see a change soon? I'm a huge Will Smith fan. Um, I've been getting jiggy with it since he was dominant in San Francisco. Um, well and uh, Yeah, he's. Uh, I think that they signed him to a big enough contract that Melanson is the old guard, you know, he's like old reliable. You can kind of trot him out there and hope that he's going to do well. But if he's struggling, I don't see any reason not to pull the ripcord and give Will Smith the uh, the save opportunities. I, I think, you know, he they, they did the right thing and sort of taking the pressure off him after he came back from COVID and put him in like, you know, sixth, seventh, like low, low leverage situations. And he proved himself. And now he's just shutting down holds left, right and center. So I, I think Melanson maybe has like one or two more opportunities. But if he blows up again, I, I think Will Smith gets the job. All right. Fair enough. Start picking up Will Smith. John Tyler Molly dominated the Cubs. He pitched six and two thirds, surrendering just two hits and two walks to go with 11 Ks and two earned runs. This guy is a CSW called strikes plus swinging strikes legend. Both hits though were home runs. Um, thoughts on him going forward. Uh, I really like Tyler Marley. Um I think that he's, you know, he, he moved, uh, he kind of reintroduced his slider this year and is paying dividends. Uh, the expected, like he, hitters are hitting, 
uh, 0.077. Now, like, granted, it's a very small sample size. Like you said, there's only 58 pitches, but this guy has thrown, like, you know, a little over 200 pitches that the entire year. Um, I think that he is uh, – I, I really like the the peripherals that he brings. Like, the, the spin rate is a little bit higher on his four-seamer. Um, that coupled with, I think, the Reds, there's a lot of uncertainty at the top. I think that – I think we can see a lot more – uh, coming through for Tyler Molly, I mean, he he kind of shied away from a cutter that he was throwing, you know, uh, back in 2019. He ditched that and kind of went back to a slider, which is working a lot more for him. Uh, the cutter last year that he threw, you know, he only threw 72 pitches of it, but, you know, that he had four pitches total, and that was kind of still up there in terms of the, the amount that he threw, and it was – players were hitting the crap out of it. They hit hitting 385. And now he switched that for a slider where hitters are hitting, you know, 0.077. Um, I really like Tyler, Tyler Molly. Um, the sliders are all the way up there. And I think specifically, you know, against righties, it, it his put away, put away pitch is just going up there with the, with the four seamer. And I, I just think it works. I think it works really well right now for him. And uh, I, I really expect big things from Tyler Molly. All right. So Tyler Molly, John, would he be in your rotation in a 12 team league? Absolutely. I, I think that, I think that right now in a 12 team league, you're looking for stability and players that kind of have that kind of high upside. And I think Tyler Molly fits right in for that. You know, I, I just think that the, like you're looking at a guy who managed to, kind of flip the switch on a lot of the different pitches that he was throwing last year and kind of rediscover what works and what doesn't work. And, uh, you know, the, the stats kind of speak for themselves with him. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, at, at this point in the season, like we can't afford to not add somebody like Tyler Molly after a start like that. He has kind of teased us in the past with these outings uh, where he's looked really good and then he's reverted back. But I think part of that's because he hasn't been able to hold down the job for one reason or another. I think he's pretty safely entrenched into the rotation for now, especially after that outing. Yeah, I mean, the four-seam fastball is just working so well for him. I mean, last year, the, the, like, again, it's a small sample size. But, I mean, his split finger is, you know, he gave way to it. To, it's working better with right-handed pitchers and or right-handed batters, I should say. And I, I think his putaways are just really, really good. And you can get really good strikeouts out of him, especially in a shortened season. You don't know how many innings you got from guys to begin with to just get those strikeouts up there. That's, that's kind of what you're looking for right now, at least as a guarantee. Fair enough. Onward we go. Um, Sixto Sanchez, Corbin Burns, they both tore it up. They're guys who certainly we've had our eyes on for a while. Maybe Sixto is breaking out a lot earlier than we expected. Um, Let me start with this one and let's see one word responses. Rest of season, Sixto Sanchez or Corbin Burns, Ian. Corbin Burns, John. Corbin Burns. Okay, I'll 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 be the the devil's advocate here and take <laughs> Sixto Sanchez. So, John, why are you going Burns? Um, I think that I, I was reading an article at the beginning of the season, which really piqued my interest of Corbin Burns because the stuff has always been there. Um, it's Where was the been, article from? Uh, I think it was from uh, from I want to say Sports Nation uh, for the Brewers. I can't remember their specific. Um, link i i'll try and figure out okay. figure it up in the meantime but uh but it 
it pretty much specified that a lot of Corbin Burns' problems that he, at least that he viewed, were more psychological and uh, kind of getting out of, you know, how to work himself out of jams and uh, how to be okay and be comfortable and not trying to rush pitches and trying to get all flustered. And I think that something as minute as that uh, kind of is what I'm looking for. Plus the fact that Corbin Burns kind of threw all of his, if you're looking, if you look at Corbin Burns, the pitch mix that he's using this year is kind of completely flipped on its head from last year. And I think that he kind of was like, okay, this isn't working. I know that I can get the stuff to work. You know, he's got one of the best changeups in the game. And he switched it up, and it's working wonders for him. You know, he he shied away from the four-seamer that he relied on so much last year. And now he's focusing on a sinker. You know, he only threw 33 sinkers last year. He threw two, he's thrown 202 this year uh, with a batting average of 225. The cutter, which was his least thrown pitch last year, he's getting a bat. He's thrown 135 times with an ex- with a batting average of 194. Um, that coupled in with the changeup and moving away from the four seamer and the slider has really, really worked for him. And I think that with a Brewers rotation that you know nobody knows what's going on there to begin with, kind of similar to to Cincinnati's rotation. Um, I I think that he has figured out what works. I think whereas with Sixto Sixto Sanchez, I think that players are going to look at the film and kind of figure him out. Cause I I believe right now he's kind of, he's a bit over-reliant on, uh, on a, on he's more of what, like a two pitch pitcher right now with like the fastball and the change up the slider working ever so slightly and mixing in a little bit of the curve. Whereas you got Corbin Burns who's throwing six different pitches. Um, I'll take the guy with six pitches working well over the guy who has two pitches working well, because I think that that upside with Corbin Burns and as long as like the only reason why he's not higher up right now is because the Brewers have kind of eased him in there, you know, putting him in these long middle relief roles where he's pitching four or five innings. And now he's, now they're feeling comfortable to throw him in the starting role and it's, it's working. He's got the best, he's got one of the best spins in baseball on his fastball. And I, 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 I'm really interested in Corbin Burns. Ian, what about you? Why are you in on Burns? Um, well, John touched on a lot of the stuff that I think you know I would bring up. Um, I agree most strongly with John when he says that I think they're going to watch film of Sixto Sanchez, and I, I think right now his sheer power is just bowling over uh, uh, players that aren't expecting that 100%. from some guy making his second start in, in baseball, you know? Um, they Like, the, the mental part of it is there. He's going to ride this high. He's going to be great. But as soon as, again, hitters can sort of figure out that that fastball figure out what he's going to do like the way he pitches i don't think that sixto sanchez has the same amount of finesse as corbin burns and i think that's also kind of a double-edged sword for burns where he does rely on sort of mixing his pitches and finding the rhythm and, and finding the the sequencing that works for these batters and he has so much in his arsenal that i think he can get in his head and i think he can cloud himself and i think that's where a lot of the struggles that we've seen in the past came from but now giving him the starting role giving him that spot in the rotation i think that's really short up his confidence and he knows he can go out there and he can use that arsenal so i think yeah i think the experience i mean not much more but enough that i think corbin burns is going to be able to keep this going more so than Sixto sanchez would fair enough i mean for the for the rest of the season and I, i've been 
hyping this up on the podcast all year. I, I'd take any AL or NL central pitchers. So I definitely get Corbin Burns. Um, for me, though, I'm always an upside guy. I think I think Sixto Sanchez has more upside maybe than any other young pitcher in baseball. And I know that's that's saying a lot. But first of all, he's not a two-pitch pitch pitcher. Um, he's, he's shown five different pitches. He's thrown four in both of his outings. I mean, he's, he's only thrown 12 innings pitch, so I'm not ready to put too much stock into his numbers. Um, but he, we've seen already a dominant fastball with sync. I mean, the way he's is his mound presence, his command, everything has been outstanding. Um, so again, it, it's difficult to put too much stock in just two outings. And yes, of course, hitters are going to make adjustments, but he's a professional pitcher. He will then make adjustments himself. This is the never ending chess game that hitters and pitchers play um, in a game of adjustments. So I'm, I'm not too worried that all of a sudden, you know, hitters are going to look at the film and say, oh, that's where his fastball goes. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's all over for Sixto. It'll take him time to make those adjustments, just as it'll take the hitters time to make those adjustments. I don't think it's going to take him as long as it's taking Corbin Burns to figure things out. Um, but time will tell. I think, you know, the, the sample size for both pitchers is just so small that I'm going to go with the guy who I think has more upside. And I still think Sixto has more upside as good as Corbin Burns is. I mean, we're talking about one of the top prospects in baseball, but I understand Ian, why you want him to fail because he's a former Phillies prospect. <laughs> if you're not going to do it on the Phillies, then kick rocks, pal. Uh, I will um, say, yeah. um, just real quick about Corbin Burns. Uh, that article was on The Athletic, and it was his agent who suggested him to work with a sports psychologist. And this is a uh, who also worked with David Price and Jake Arrieta. And this is just a quote from Corbin Burns real quick. I was thinking, Burns said, maybe that was the missing piece. I knew coming into the offseason that the main thing I wanted to focus on was the mental side of things. I took a lot from last year. When you get kicked in the teeth, you learn what's going to work and what's not going to work. You learn a lot about himself. Burns had to figure out, quote, what his process was. And I think that something like that, like if it's a mental thing and he has this up there, and not to discredit anything you just said, but real quick, just I think that that can go a long way into being like, okay, if that was the thing and he figured that out and now it's clicking. I'm all on board. Sure, yeah. I mean, you, you said it was when I, when guys were on base and his strand rate was absolutely horrendous uh, last season. So maybe uh, it, was, it was 57%, which is just awful. So uh, maybe he's figured something out there. Uh, who knows? Uh, he, he has a ton of potential. But again, two guys who look good with such a small sample size, I'll just continue to take the guy who has more upside until one of them proves me differently. Um, going forward, we're moving real slow here. Mike Miner, he's probably not really worth talking about too much, but everybody was ready to give up on him after this game. This game was going to be like the, all right, we can officially put Mike Miner to rest. He blew up again. Um, it was the Dodgers. You know, nobody, no, I said the Padres were hitting the ball the hardest this year. Nobody's hitting the ball harder than the Dodgers, actually. Um, and Mike Miner, Faces the Dodgers, throws six innings, only gives up four hits, no earned. He did walk three and strikes out six. So after the incredible season he had last year where the metrics would suggest he, indeed he was very lucky, he got that ugly 200th strikeout by, I forget, letting a guy get a hit or something like that. I, I don't remember. Um, whatever the case may be, Mike Miner, are we back in on him? Were we ever in on him? Or should we just move on? Uh, as someone who drafted him pretty high up, um, I already had two pitchers kept. I drafted him pretty high up. Um, 
I was aware that a lot of it was sort of on the razor's edge. Um, but, you know, if you can make it work once, why can't you make it work again? That was sort of my feeling. Um, so I wasn't like fully in on him, but I drafted him. And man, I did not expect that to blow up in my face so hard. And so having I haven't dropped him yet. I, you know, I was getting to the point. I'll be, I'll admit I did not start him against the Dodgers because obviously you don't start a guy who's letting in five, six runs a night against the best team in baseball right now. Uh, and of course he outperforms, but I think that's an outlier. I don't think that, I mean, you know, it could boost his confidence. He could feel he, maybe he figured something out. Um, but I don't think that anything in that performance really, it wasn't, yeah, he held them to four hits. That's very impressive. But, you know, he did walk three and 6K for that much work. It's it's fine. I'm going to take it every time. But, like, it wasn't a particularly dominant performance, I would say. Um, so, no, I'm not in on Mike Miner. I'm not going to drop him, but I'm not in on him. John, any thoughts on Miner? Uh, I mean, look – this is a season that is so unpredictable and you're looking for any type of hope that you can kind of find. I mean, how many times has Matt Boyd been added and dropped this year? Uh, so I'm not in on Mike Miner, but if you're riding a hot hand and you see a matchup, then sure, absolutely go for it. Uh, it's just, yeah, that I don't see anything. All right, well, let me stop you there. How about this? His next start is at Houston. Ian, are you going to be starting him? Uh, it kind of depends week to week with my garbage no, team. Give, at give the me moment. an answer. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, after that start against the Dodgers, I am going to start him against Houston. John, would you start him at Houston? Let's say it's Monday, opening day of a matchup. No. Okay. Yeah, I, I, don't I, think will, I would either. I, I will say this though that like if if he is to have an electric game at Houston, sell, 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 sell. Get get whatever you can for Mike Miner. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, Tristan McKenzie was not great. He had a ton of the hype train left the station one million thousand miles an hour after his first outing, and it went straight off a cliff after this one. Four innings pitched. Only three hits, but two earned runs, three walks, three Ks. He did give up a homer. He threw 84 pitches in those four innings. I mean, it's a prospect, a highly regarded prospect in just a second start. So I'm not, you know, raising the alarm bells, but with Zach Plesak waiting in the wings, I'm just a little concerned there. Uh, Francisco Lindor stole a base, and then he stole at least one more today. Um, Certainly not much on Lindor. I just thought it was interesting that it took him this long to steal his first base. Stolen bases are such a disaster. Uh, but any quick thoughts on McKenzie? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I look, like I said, you, you get with what you can right now. Um, Tristan McKenzie probably has maybe one or two starts left in the rotation. Uh, if I were to guess, I mean, it, I'd, yeah, I mean, I, I sent out nine trade offers last week after Tristan McKenzie's start, and I didn't get a bite on any of them. Maybe I was reaching too high, but I, yeah, it, take what you can from him. Yeah, he's one of those guys where I don't think I would have. It, it's an impossible position because after an outing like his first one, you can't drop him. You really want to sell him, but nobody wants to trade for him based off of one start. So it really is just this impossible position. Uh, Ian, any thoughts on McKenzie? I mean, 
you know, it wasn't a disaster his second time out. It just wasn't as strong. Um, it was kind of a typical outing for someone who's that brand new to the game um, or to the, you know, to, to the, to the majors. Uh, and I think, you know, you look at the opponent, the Saint, the, the Cardinals aren't really striking fear into the hearts of too many defenses. Uh, and his next start is against the Kansas city Royals. So, um, you know, they, they can put some runs on the board, but I think it's something that you just ride out until Plesak comes back, and then you know, no harm, no foul. Maybe he got you a couple of couple of good games. So I do believe the Plesak was told there's no room in the rotation for him right now, um, but we'll see how that shakes out. If McKenzie has another rough outing, I could see that switch being being real quick. Um, the Padres dominated Kyle Freeland and the Rockies with four players having at least three hits. One of those was Manny Machado. Machado excuse me, is 23 for his last 54 with six homers and 15 RBI. As it stands right now, is Manny Machado a top 25 pick in standard leagues for 2021? Now, remember, this was a guy who was going in the top five just a few years ago. We'll start with you, Ian. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that he is. I mean, the adjustment period after getting to San Diego, I think, was difficult. Uh, I think that, you know, they were still finding their stride as an offense. Um, but right now, they just have everything rolling. I mean, that that whole lineup, Tatis Jr. really, you know, stepping into his own. I think that in the heart of that lineup, he is easily, easily a top 25 pick. John, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think that the uh, I think that the premature, uh, you know, what 26 year old uh, write off of Manny Machado having a bad year uh, was just that it was just a bad year. And like he still hit and he still hit 32 home runs last year very quietly. And had I was going to say he had a torrid second half, too, because he started off really slow. But I mean, look, that lineup, I think I think an actual question, if I may digress to just one moment, would you rather have Manny Machado or Aaron Judge going into next year? Oh, Machado, Machado. for me. Yeah. Right. I, I just figured I'd put that out there. But well, I, people are probably the, going nuts over that. But like, I, I don't think if you're going nuts over that, then like, where have you been the last couple of years? The guy can't stay on the field. Um, he's just he's right. not even exactly. worth talking about until he can play for at least two months without getting hurt. Um, Machado stack ass data is still not where it was in 2018 and 2017. But it is up, and I think you're right. You you got to account for the change in ballparks. Um, you know the massive contract. His first year in San Diego, Eric Hosmer, Will Myers, they were not doing what they're doing. Fernando Tatis <laughs> was, but he got hurt. Um, I think you know you kind of forgive him for that year, and now he's just picking up right where he left off. He should be entering the prime years of his numbers, um, and I think I would. I'd vote third. Yes, he's a top 25 player. Now, to be fair, I'm not looking at any rankings right now. I'm trying to think of the players that went in that range this year. And I'm thinking like, yeah, I could see myself taking Machado over those guys. But I do think pitching is going to continue to move up draft boards, which maybe does bounce him outside the top 25. But he's going to be right in that area. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm big on Machado, obviously, as you two know. Um, Zach Gallen, moving on here, has made seven starts this year with a 2.09 ERA. So first of all, Jazz Chisholm better become Nomar Garciaparra. He got his first <laughs> win of the season last night. The Diamondbacks are atrocious. Are we viewing Zach Allen 
as a top, let's say, 12 fantasy starter? John, you can start us off. Um, I'm going to say no for right now. Um, the only reason why I say no is because I think there's a lot of pitchers that kind of have that pedigree um, that will be coming back next year. And I think that that coupled with maybe, you know, Zach Allen is still not going to have an, a full, you know, over the, over two years, still not have a full year in the majors. I think there's still some bumps in the road there, but I would definitely say top 20. I don't know right now about top 12. Ian? Uh, well, the thing, you know, you, you just kind of brought up how the Diamondbacks are so terrible, but that doesn't stop Jacob deGrom from being, and now let me put a caveat out here. I'm not saying Zach Allen is Jacob deGrom, but I'm not sure that, you know, wins, uh, wins and losses are necessarily going to be the thing that makes or breaks a great fantasy pitcher. Um, his numbers look fantastic. Can he keep it up? That's sort of the question. Um, but I think that, yeah, that's all on him because whether or not the the backs are going to win a game or not is sort of, it's, you know, that's one counting stat and and not even in every league. So yeah, I don't know. I like Allen. Um, I would, I would love to have him on my team. So, so just to be clear, I, I'm, I'm not saying that Gallon's going to be bad for fantasy, but are we viewing him as a top 12 starter? That's that's ultimately the question here. No, that yeah, that didn't I didn't answer that. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's so nebulous right now. There's so much going on with pitching. And like John mentioned, the health, like, you know, people coming back, people going down. I uh, yeah, sure. I'll say I'll say he's he'll be a top twelve pitcher if he keeps this up. Yeah, he 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 definitely could make his way there. Sure. So I, I mean, look, he came out of nowhere as a prospect last year. Um, pitched unbelievably in the minors, got the call, looked great. Then was traded to Arizona, continued to look great, and now he's still looking great. So I think he's legit. I do question a lot of the numbers. His strand rate is ninety six percent right yeah. now. That's not going to hold up. Um, you know, a BABIP of just 245, that feels a little bit low as well. His FIP does suggest he's been overperforming. His ERA is at 2.09, but his FIP's at 3.83. So I think, you know, obviously he's not 2.09 ERA level pitcher. Very, very few, if anybody are. Um, but as a top 12 starter, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he's in the conversation, at least at this point. So let's say, you know, Strasburg misses the rest of the season and we hear that he had successful surgery. Are you taking Steven Strasburg before Zach Gallon? John, you go first. No. No. I don't okay, think Ian. Uh yeah, I think I would go Strasburg over Gallon. Okay. Then I think the fact that this is even a conversation with Strasburg, who I think was like the number seven or eight, maybe as far down as nine, depending on when you look at the rankings because obviously Chris Sale impacts that starting pitcher. And then I think Gallon is definitely in the conversation for top 12 for next year, but he has been, um, I don't want to say a surprise to a lot of people, definitely a surprise to me. I was not expecting this, but he has been very good nonetheless. So that kind of wraps up my notes from last night's games, fellas. Um, certainly took us a while. I want to jump into a quick segment that Chris and I called hold the bag. Basically, so that this makes sense, because this is a confusing game. Uh, we, we really could just call it like sell high or sell low. Like, I, I don't know. But 
if you hold the bag, then you are in it for the long haul with this player. That means like you believe what they're doing is legit. You're going to hold on tight. Um, if you're not holding the bag, then you're looking to sell high. Um, and I have three names for you. The first one is Randall Gritchick. John, would you hold the bag on Randall Gritchick, or are you looking to move him for some kind of upgrade in your roster? Obviously, it's not really going to be that huge of an upgrade because it's Randall Gritchick. Uh, move him for whatever you want. Okay, so you, you are not in. Why don't you like Gritchick? He is on fire lately. Um, Because I think we've seen this at different times throughout Gritchick's career, right, where he looks to be – in line, he, he looks to be clicking on, on sil- all cylinders. I think at the beginning of last year, even for Toronto, or close to the beginning of last year, he was really high up there. I think he was close to the lead in Major League and home runs. Uh, but I, you know, it's just, I don't buy it. I, I just, Randall Gritchick just will not do it for me. I can think of so many outfielders that I would be more willing to hold on to and maybe get some upside of than, uh, than Gritchick right now. Okay, Ian? Uh, I think I feel similarly. He has always been a streaky player. He has gone on tears like this before. Uh, This year is obviously a very different beast. Um, So he could fall off a cliff and go sort of revert back to the Randall Gritchick that a lot of people have been burned by in the past. Or you could ride the wave and see if he can hold this out for the rest of this very shortened season. Uh, I personally don't believe it. I don't think that he can keep this pace up. I think that he's taken on, he's sort of playing out of his shoes right now after the loss of Bichette. Uh, They need somebody to step up. And I think he and Teoscar Hernandez are both kind of doing that. Um, But that I feel like that can only last for so long. All right, fair enough. Teoscar is actually going to be my next one, but I want to ask a question before to kind of tie everything together. Would you drop, let's say you, you offer Gritchick around the league, no one's taking him. Would you drop Gritchick for Dominic Smith or Clint Frazier, Ian? No, I would not do that. Okay. I'm so, not, uh, for all no, the reasons ahead. we talked about, Frazier, sorry, uh, you know, uh, Frazier definitely not. I just, I, I, I'm not positive about how, much, how many at-bats he gets. Gritchick is going to be in that lineup. Um, and Dom Smith, yeah, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's a hotter, a hotter prospect right now with Gritchick. That's all. Okay. Fair enough. John, would you drop him for Dom Smith or Clint Frazier if you couldn't get anything from anybody else? Um, not for Dom Smith, but, uh, I, I think I would for Clint Frazier, um, only because even with the injuries in that Yankees lineup, I still think it's a very great lineup. Um, I think the one thing that, you know, kind of scares you with Clint Frazier is that he really can't hit lefties. But um, out of the teams, this is a point I was going to bring up earlier, out of the teams that he's scheduled to face, he's not really scheduled to face any lefties, really, like maybe like four or five. And uh, I think that Clint Frazier, the peripherals and what he can do and what he's shown that he can do plus the walks, I, I, I would actually go for Clint Frazier. Fair enough. I don't think I'd drop a player this hot for any anybody, really. But I will say if – I mean, obviously, if I had to, I think I'd go Frazier because I took Frazier over Dom Smith. But I would be tempted. I do think, obviously, those players have higher ceilings than the 29-year-old. But Gritchick is just absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, There has to be somebody else on your roster that you could drop for Dom Smith or Clint Frazier if you really wanted them. Then Randall Gritchick, the next guy on my list, 
is somebody who's maybe even hotter at the plate than Grichik, and that is Teoscar Hernandez. John, where are you at with Teoscar Hernandez? You believing in this, or would you be looking to sell high as we approach the trade deadline in our leagues? Give me that bag, baby. I'm running to the finish. I am all in on uh, Teoscar Hernandez. I, I, you know, I think that we've seen what he's doing this year is kind of reminiscent to what uh, Lourdes Gurriel did for a stretch last year. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that this guy steals too. Um, like you just said earlier, like stolen bases are kind of down there this year. High strikeout percentage, sure, but I mean, all the other peripherals and the other players in that lineup potentially, you know, if and when Bo Bichette ever comes back, um, this guy I want, you know, 94.4 exit velocity, um, barreling 19.2, you know, again, like we've said 5,000 times so far this podcast, small sample size. But, I mean, against the teams that this guy is probably scheduled to face, like, give me every share whatsoever. Ian, what do you think of Teoscar? I I agree. You'd have to fight me for the bag, John. Uh, I, I want to hold it because he is knocking the cover off the ball. I, I that, Where I said, you know, I, I don't think that I necessarily believe Grichik can keep playing at the level he's at. I do believe Teoscar Hernandez can. I think he is going to become a, a cornerstone of this offense, which is very, very exciting for the future. Uh, he brings a little bit more experience than Vlad and Kevin Biggio and Bichette, but I think that core group of players, he can be the sort of, you know, the, the, the captain of that group, I think um, he's just, I mean, 60% of the 59% of the balls he's hitting are hard hit. So he, he's, he's locked in. He looks good. I think he continues through the rest of this year at the least. Yeah. Fair enough. Even with a, a 29% K rate, he still has an expected batting average of 318. Um, so he can overcome the strikeouts. He's pretty awesome. Um, I'd be in on to Oscar as well. I think he's, He's a legit candidate for MVP at this point, which, you know, we could laugh at, but there's a month left in the season. The Blue Jays are above 500. They're winning again tonight. He's got 12 home runs and he's batting 300 with 20 RBI and 20 runs. I mean, he's right there with, with Abreu, with Bieber, um, as ridiculous as it sounds. What a crazy season it's been to this point. Look, the, the K rate is, is going to be a problem and it is going to catch up to him at points where we begin to think, oh, were we wrong on him? Um, because that's just how it goes with guys who strike out this much. He does, you know, hit quite a few ground balls as well um, and stuff that, that he can continue to improve on in his game. But the launch angles up, the strikeout rate is down. Uh, the walks are pretty much where they've been for his career. And he's, he's seeing the ball real well right now. So I wouldn't let go of him for anything really at this point. I will um, say the my batting, last one. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the batting average is pretty bad against breaking off speed, off speed, but you know, the steals, but go ahead. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it, it's to be when you have a K rate like that, it usually is going to be the breaking balls. But um, Zach Davies is the last one. I'll just go ahead and throw this out there that I have no interest. I'm tired of these Zach Davies run Davies runs where he goes. He looks unbelievable. No one knows how he's doing it. And then when I finally say fine and add him, that's when he blows up. Um, so I have I have no interest in Zach Davies, but he has once again been incredible this year considering where you picked him up in the draft, if you even drafted him. Um, so are we, are we, I mean, this is where hold the bag. gets a little silly, right? Because no one in your league is going to trade for Zach Davies. And with a starting pitcher performing like this, you're not going to drop him. 
but do you really believe what he's doing? We can start with Ian. Ian, do you have any thoughts on Zach Davies here? He's a finesse pitcher. You know, you've got guys coming out here blowing guys away with you know, triple-digit fastballs, and he's kind of dancing around the zone. Um, he's another one that it just feels, again, like you said, he's done this before again and again, and it never lasts. Um, whether or not that – a guy who's using – that much finesse and that much control, I feel like it's hard to count on that unless you're talking about Greg Maddox. You know, he's he's not Greg Maddox. I'm not holding the bag. I'm I I I think if you have him, don't drop him until he blows up. But like if someone will trade for him, do it. But I, I don't know what you're gonna get. Zach Davies is not Greg Maddox, folks. You heard that here on the Pitch Count podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hot hot takes over here. That's right. That's right. Uh, and you know what? To Oscar Hernandez, he's not Barry Bonds. John, what are your thoughts? <laughs> what what uh, are your thoughts on Zach? We've wasted too much breath on Zach Davies, but you can go ahead and give us a quick thought here. No, that's my thought. Okay, fair enough. We're done with Zach <laughs> right. uh, Davies. So segment three, this is our last segment of the show. Um, with the trade deadline approaching in MLB, um, you know, a lot of names are being kicked around. There are some names that haven't really been kicked around that I thought would be available. Um, but I asked you guys to each come up with one realistic trade that for fantasy reasons, because we are a fantasy show, you would like to see take place in the MLB. I'm going to go ahead and go first. Um, now, granted, yes, I am a Red Sox fan. So this looks like something that, you know, it was it was something that I came up with because I'm a Red Sox fan, but I do think it would have fantasy implications <clears throat> if, in fact, Zach Plesac has been kicked out of the rotation and Cleveland has kind of had it with him. I think a Zach Plesac for J.D. Martinez swap could be ideal. Now, I know the Indians and Indians fans would probably say get out of here with that because J.D. Martinez has an opt-out at the end of the year. He's underperforming, even though his, his expected statistics are better than what he's done so far. Um, I just think... You know, J.D. Martinez, first of all, is going to be the best rental bat on the market. The Indians need offense. The Indians do not need starting pitching. And let's not pretend like Zach Plesak is all of a sudden this former, like, top prospect that was breaking out this year. He's never been a top prospect. Um, he got off to that hot start last year and then came crashing down to earth like a lot of people thought he would. So much so that I don't even know if he was supposed to be in the rotation to start the season. Although I could be wrong on that. Either way... You know, this could be viewed as, yes, the Indians are selling, you know, super low on a guy who got caught up in this COVID thing, made the dumb video, and now they're going to give away a good young starting pitching for a rental. Or it could just be they're selling really high on Zach Plesak, where this guy who's not that great of a pitcher, they're going to get the best rental bat on the market in a year where they could compete. Um, from the J.D. Martinez point of view, I don't know how much it changes for his value. Maybe just the change in scenery kind of does what it did to him when he got traded to Arizona, um, which is obviously a best-case scenario. Um, the dude's a hitter, though. I kind of expect him to perform no matter where he is. For Zach Plesak, he'd immediately become the best pitcher currently on the Red Sox, at least out of the healthy pitchers, um, and start to get that burn again that he's not getting right now because he's still you know, at their alternate site. Um, so that's me. J.D. Martinez for Zach Plesak, straight-up swap. Um, Ian, what's the deal that you had cooking up? 
Well, this one is a, a little obvious because he's sort of the bell of the ball right now. Everyone is looking to get their services from one of my favorite players in the in in the sport, uh, Lance Lynn. Yeah. Um, when he's done chugging a beer before he heads out to the mound, you know, I think that a change of scenery might be good for him. It kind of it's rough to be on the Rangers right now, I imagine, especially for someone who just goes out there and dares hitters to hit the ball and they just don't. Um, but I, we kind of mentioned Clint Frazier being maybe a little bit of trade bait earlier. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know how inconceivable this is. This is sort of, I haven't seen any reports of this, but I know everyone's interested in Lynn and I would kind of think it would be interesting to see Clint Frazier go out to Texas and, uh, Lance Linda put on some pinstripes. Fair enough. I wonder if the Yankees would then ruin Lance Lynn again. Not that they necessarily ruined him, but. Lance Lynn and Sonny Gray, I'm sorry. They go to new teams and they become Cy Young candidates. That's weird to me. But uh, I like it. All right, so some sort of Clint Frazier package for Lance Lynn. It would definitely take more than Frazier. um, But I like it. Solid. Uh, John, what about you? Uh, You got a deal for us cooking up here at the deadline? Yeah, I do. Um, Originally, I had had planned on on doing uh, J.D. as well. I'll quickly say that. I just think that I would like to see J.D. Martinez traded to Milwaukee for Freddie Peralta. I think it'd be great for both parties involved, and I'd love to see what J.D. Martinez... I I just like well obviously it might be a little bit more but I I would like to see what JD Martinez does in uh in, in Milwaukee in that park um but I would also like to see um Texas kind of make a move uh to go in towards a more positive direction with their pitching staff um and I would really like to see oh god this would never happen but I would be curious to see if, if Joey Gallo got traded to Detroit for maybe Scooble or one of their pitching prospects since they have my Scooble Manning. I would be very curious to see that. And, you know, the Tigers are not that far out of the playoff hunt right now. And getting a bat like Joey Gallo might make a bit of a difference, especially with CJ Crone being gone. Um, yeah, I think that would be the one that I would, I'd be most interested in seeing. Not sure what it would have for fantasy implications, so to speak, but I think it could be, Interesting, especially if you saw Scooble or somebody actually get more of an opportunity somewhere else. Interesting. All right. I would be worried about Gallo in Detroit just because of what it did to, to Castellanos, but Gallo's got so much power, it probably wouldn't matter. Well, folks, uh, that wraps up this episode of the Pitch Count Podcast. Thank you for listening. Throw us a follow at, at Pitch Count P and at Pete B Baseball on Twitter. For Ian and John, this is Pete. Thank you for listening to the Pitch Count Podcast, and see you next week.